Have you prayed that prayer? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, that I might see, I might recognize, and I might acknowledge the sin that is within me. We gather in worship, and we, we have a time that we refer to as confession and absolution of sins. We uh, stand up and we pronounce that, you know, there are ways in our lives, in our thoughts, our words, and our deeds that we fail to live according to the will and the teaching of God. We also acknowledge that we sin not only in what we do, but in what we fail to do. But sometimes because uh, we do that so regularly or routinely that the words of our confession seem to kind of lose significance. They don't have the impact they're meant to have upon us. My prayer today is that that song we just sang becomes actually your prayer. Lord, open my hearts. Open my heart that I might acknowledge the reality of my condition as I stand before you, and I might receive from you your grace. We are in this uh, sermon series uh, going through this short book of James, and uh, James, as I said last week, James is uh, one of those writings that some refer to as the straw epistle. You know, it's not this deep theological treatise or teaching on, you know, the doctrines of the church. But I would challenge you to read through it and to consider that there is great teaching that you and I still need to hear and have applied to our lives as well. Because far too often in our lives there is an inconsistency between our faith and how we live. There was a man uh, one Sunday in church as uh, we were going through uh, the confession and absolution of sin and, and he was you know, saying those words and for whatever reason the Spirit finally got hold of him and it's like, I was, I'm a poor, miserable sinner. And it broke through his heart. And he said, it's time. It's time for me to change. It's time for me to get control of these things in my life that just keep rearing their head over and over again. These ways in which I'm living contrary to God's will, these ways in which you know, I'm, I'm denying God's presence and, and what He would rather me do for my own good and for my relationship with Him. This man made a, a commitment not only to himself, but to the Lord. The idea of repentance is to turn. And he said, I'm going to change. And he worked diligently. He worked diligently in order to uh, begin to control what he said. He said, I'm going to make sure that every time before I speak, I'm going to think about what I say before I say it. And he said, I'm going to be aware of the, the things that lead me astray so that I don't find myself uh, participating in those behaviors and those things that are contrary to what God would have. He said, I'm going to work hard at this. And he did. And actually, things really began to change in his life, and, and he was seemingly a very different person. 
But then after a while, he began to fall back into some of the same patterns again. And it got so bad that he said, the harder I tried, the worse it became. And he said, I just felt like I was going to have to just give up. You ever felt like that? The reality is, is this man's story, and I'll come back a little bit to it later, but this man's story actually is our story as well. That there are things in our lives that have become so normal, so much a part of how we live and what we do, and not only how we individually live, but how the world and the church even around us often lives as well, that we no longer even recognize the reality of the sin in our lives. And that's what James is getting at in chapter 3 today of our reading from his letter. Now he particularly is focused upon the, the, the sin that comes from the tongue. And he convicts all of us. Because every single one of us uh, use our tongues and our mouths to lead us to say things and do things that we should not. And he has this powerful imagery in there about how, you know, if you could bridle the tongue, you could control the whole body. Truth is, not one of us can all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, in various ways, we fail to live according to His will. But let's stick with the tongue for a moment as an example of these inconsistencies of faith and life. Here's what James says. He says, you worship the Lord, you praise the Lord, and then you walk out and you curse the pinnacle of God's creation, other humans. That maybe you're not using cuss words, and so you tell yourself, oh, well, I don't do that. But do you judge? Do you make assumptions about? I'll give you an example. When I was uh, first a pastor, we were living in Nashville, and one day I was wearing a, um, a clerical. And... Um, I realized as I was driving down the road with a little bit of road rage <laughs> and I looked down at myself and I'm like, uh-oh. Here I am wearing that clerical uh, reminder, an outward reminder that I am yoked to Christ. And I realized that my behavior was contrary to me being a follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. How easy that is to have happen in our lives, isn't it? You know, we, we say, oh yeah, we believe, and you know, we, we carry the label and the name on ourselves as we are Christians, but then far too often our behaviors, our words, our actions, they do not align with the reality that we're disciples, we're Christians, we're meant to be set apart, to be different than the rest of the world. And it's not just in words, it's in actions. You see, that's what the Lord calls us to. We are meant to be set apart. 
He says, be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. How's that going for you? And, and the New Testament, we continue to read these teachings about how we as followers of Christ are truly called to become more like Jesus, sanctified, holy. But I know that there are many a times where I in no way look anything like Jesus or at least act or speak like him. The Lord also teaches us through Paul that you know, we are meant to be new creations. We're meant to be different. We're not meant to be the same. God's not done with any single one of us yet. He's not. And yet as a, a pastor, and maybe just as James, at times these are the kind of phrases I hear, Pastor... It's just the way I am. Pastor, God's going to have to accept me just like I am. Oh, really? God's not done with you yet, and he's not done with me yet. We're called to be more like him. We're called to have our lives aligned with our faith in word in deed I love the fact that uh, as James is giving this uh, analogy or this teaching about the tongue and its contradiction to who we are and what we've been called to as these new creations, these followers of Christ, he not only convicts us, he, he goes on to say that if you could bridle the tongue, you could bridle the whole body. You get that? Luther writes about the first commandment, you shall have no other gods, that if you could keep the first commandment, you could keep the other nine. If you would trust him completely, you could keep all nine commandments knowing that he is a faithful, loving God who empowers us to trust him and tr know that he will take care of our every need for this life and beyond. If we could control the tongue, we could control the whole body. But there's not one, James says, one perfect man among us. One perfect human. Not one. But I love how James in this imagery also gives us the solution and the answer. I read to you from Isaiah chapter 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and a sheep that before its shears is silent, 
so he opened not his mouth. Like a sheep before the shearers, he is silent. All is not lost. We don't have to give up in despair or in guilt over the fact that we try and we try again and we keep failing and falling back into those same behaviors, same patterns, same sin. We don't need to give up in that kind of despair, but we do need to give up. We need to give up and give it to Jesus. Let the one who is silent before the shearers carry the burden of your sin. And that's exactly what he did. He went to the cross. He suffered. He died in our place to forgive us, to restore us, to pay the price for our failures, our sins. What an awesome, loving, merciful God we have. But pastor, I can't change. I've tried. And I just keep doing the same thing. So now, let me help you see the connection between the gospel reading and our reading from James. It's actually one of my favorite stories because I find a lot of people can relate to the father of this boy who was possessed. This man says... If you are able, have mercy upon us. If I am able, Jesus says, all things are possible with God. Cling to that verse. All things are possible with God. He can change us. He can empower us. He can strengthen us and enable us to live as the people we've been called to. He can fill us with joy and overcome that sin that tears us down and beats us down and leaves us guilty and hopeless. He can. But I love the Father's response to him, and I want you to hear it when he says this. I believe. Help my unbelief. So let me ask you, how many of you understand every single doctrine and teaching of the Bible and the church? Got it? How many? Come on. Guess what? I'm not going to put my hand up either. After eight years of education and 20 years of ministry, and I will openly, very happily, maybe not happy, but honestly, admit, there are things I don't get. I don't get when I see a child or a family or an individual suffer. I don't get it when I see injustice and hurt and pain and hunger and suffering in this world. And I don't fully get it how God meets me here at the table. I don't fully get it how God came into me and continues to work in me through the waters of holy baptism. Did you notice what Jesus did when this man admitted his unbelief? He didn't condemn him, he didn't reject him, and he didn't rebuke him. He healed 
his son. He just wants us to come to him and trust him to be this all-powerful God, for through him all things are possible. We can live as a people without these inconsistencies of faith and life. We can live as a people whose lives are reflective of what Christ has done for us. We are a people who can live in such a way that truly Christ is evident through us. And my prayer is, he's calling us to do this not just because it's going to honor and glorify him, but it affects our witness. Because i got to tell you, when I felt kind of busted wearing that clerical, and it's like, man, look at him. What kind of representative of God is he? I remember that day quite often, regardless if I have a clerical on. Because sometimes the loudest witness we give is what we do, not what we say. And in Christ, all things are possible. You are forgiven and restored. You are empowered to indeed live as the people of God. May you be indeed responsive to that opportunity and that call. In Jesus' name.